edification this morning. And uh, it's uh, going to be found in Psalm 91. So you can turn to Psalm 91 this morning. Now, um, <clears throat> we must consider our own relationship with God. We must take stock and evaluate and examine ourselves, as the Bible says. And this is something that we do on a regular basis. And I think, like any new year, uh, we, this is something that we, we do as well. And so, uh, what I want to deal with is really the, the nature and depth of our own personal relationship with God. And so, this is critical, really. And uh, this is something that must be maintained because if we don't, then it's easily neglected and it's easy to drift and all of those things, which I'm sure you can relate to. And especially in the last days in which we're living, we are exhorted in Scripture in many ways. And so I want to consider this particular thought because the days in which we're living are getting darker and darker. And uh, we can see the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We can see the end of time and the reality of those things that are before us and how quickly things can change. We've learned that, haven't we? And so um, in light of that, we must take stock of our own relationship with the Lord. And so, uh, because like all of us, it doesn't matter where we're at in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, it has to go deeper. It has to be maintained. It has to remain strong. And so that's the, uh, so what's the key then, or one of the keys really, there's a various aspects to this, but one of the uh, truths that we want to consider in developing and maintaining this is uh, what is the title of my message this morning, and that is the, the secret place. The secret place. Every Christian must have a secret place. Can you say amen? amen. It's this critical, necessary. And Jesus himself made it abundantly clear in, in, in its own context, but the principle is clearly there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. When Jesus says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now Jesus is obviously speaking that in the context of the Pharisees who were very outward and loved to be seen by men. But nevertheless, when we talk about the secret place, this is something that is, is uh, again, Jesus is making that emphasis because God's in the secret place. And so when we have a secret place, it's like this uh, intimacy that Jesus is emphasizing. There's, a, there's an, a, a union that we have with the Lord where we can just come into that place. And it's a special place. And uh, that word in the Greek is cryptos. Is, it means concealed, private, and hidden. And whether that's your, you know, closing the bedroom door or, or whatever it is that it may be, everyone has that secret place in their own lives, I trust. And some place in the house or uh, we're outside or I don't know, wherever it is that you may dwell, but it doesn't matter. It's that secret place that is the principle. Jesus himself would rise early, we see in scripture, and he would withdraw to the, sometimes to the mountains and oh, up to the hills and just have that secret place where he communed with the Father. 
And it was critical to him as Jesus, the son of man, as he walked the earth and all of those things, because the Bible says he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. So he was in communion with the Father, being fully God, fully man. There's a dynamic and a dimension there that we don't fully grasp sometimes. It wasn't just Jesus. We see in Scripture Moses himself. You know, here it is in God. It says he sets up his presence amongst the people as he brings them out of Egypt. And so he says to Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. And uh, it's the tabernacle uh, of meeting. And the Bible says that uh, Moses set it up. And uh, let me read it to you, actually, in Exodus chapter 33, uh, where it's found in verse 7. It says, Moses took his tent. And uh, 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 sorry, this, uh, this is his tent here, actually, sorry. Not the tabernacle itself. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle. In fact, it's a similar thing, of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And verse uh, number nine, it says, And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. The tabernacle of meeting. There's a place where Moses and the people could come aside and meet with God. And, uh, and uh, as they did that, the Father who sees in secret, the Bible says the presence of God would come in their midst. And Moses talked with God. And so this is a special place, that secret place, because it's a place of communion with God. It's a place in which we draw near to God. It's a place in which we uh, speak and bear our burdens and pray and intercede and, and read our Bibles and meditate on the Word and have God speak to us. And all of those things that make uh, this uh, uh, Christian life so special, because it's, this is what we have. It's unique. We have a relationship with God. And so it has to characterize us. If it's, we see the importance in Jesus, we see here this principle in the Old Testament and throughout Scripture as a whole, it must characterize our own lives, especially because life is busy. Life is demanding. Life is, can be consuming. And it was interesting because I couldn't help but last week mention that I, the word I was going to share was kind of going to flow on. Some of the brothers were having a conversation. They will probably recall it now. And, um, and they were talking about just life in general because a uh, few folks had come out of, um, you know, whether it was Europe or South Africa or just certain circumstances. And, and, uh, and so, you know, because where they came from the farm, it was a very laid back, easy lifestyle, you know, and all the rest of it. Then you come to the West People want to get into the West or in Australia or any of those Western nations. But then when you begin to get established, you find out life is busy. Life is demanding. It can get utterly consuming all of a sudden. And then you become a slave to this stuff. And, uh, and then it's just, you know, you just, uh, you just reflect and say, oh, gosh, what I, I could just be back here and just, you know, under a tree. <laughs> and so... It's, and so, well, which is better? Which is, which, you know, which, and that's a different uh, um, question to answer, but the point of it all is in life, whether we're on that side or we're on this side, each has its pros and cons and all the rest of it, but the fundamental thing for all of us is the secret place. It's our communion with God. And, um, and so, because it's not the outward physical things as important as those things can be sometimes, it's about our spiritual relationship and our spiritual man and our relationship to the Lord this morning.
And so I want to consider this in the scripture because if we fail to establish that secret place, uh, I believe the Bible reveals to us that there, in, in, that there can be consequences or even how wrong it is. Because if we don't uh, establish that secret place, as we'll see in the scripture, we'll end up establishing it in other areas or other things, as we will see as uh, we examine Psalm 91 this morning. So let's read this portion of text and see what the word of the Lord has for us. Verse 1, just verse 1 and 2, that's all we're going to read. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, and my God in Him will I trust. Now, I want to consider this in two parts this morning. And uh, he who dwells and under, shall under the shadow of the Almighty, or those two concepts, he who dwells and under the shadow. Because these are the emphasis here in Scripture that we find, especially in verse 1. And so what, what does it mean to uh, dwell in that secret place of the Most High? What does it mean to abide under the shadow of the Almighty? And to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, we first must dwell in the secret place. That's what the scripture's uh, emphasizing here. Until we learn to abide in that secret place, or to dwell, sorry, in that secret place, we can't abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so here we have the word dwell in the scripture. And literally in the Hebrew here, it means to sit down. To sit down. And so that really. Doesn't that just capture the essence of things in terms of life and uh, all of its responsibilities and its demands and its sufferings and all the rest of it? We must learn to dwell in the secret place, to sit down and just uh, abide in the presence of God. To continue in that word means to remain, to settle. And really this is so important, otherwise we'll find ourselves run down, we'll find ourselves spiritually exhausted, we'll find ourselves uh, bearing burdens and unable to, in the flesh and, uh, and in the natural, can uh, carry these things. And so it goes to the heart this morning of abiding in Christ. It goes to the heart of our union with Christ, in which we, the Bible says the Spirit of God dwells in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about uh, a sweet fellowship and communion with Christ himself. What a privilege that we have. And yet we don't avail ourselves to such a glorious privilege. And so we have to sit down. We have to dwell in that place. He who dwells in that secret place is what the scripture says. And so let's ask ourselves the question this morning as we examine these things. Do we, have we that secret place in your life? And if so, how, how often are you dwelling there? How is our time in, a, in prayer? How is our time in the word? See, the, the word secret here in the Hebrew is a little bit, carries a different uh, emphasis than what we read in Jesus' word in the Greek there. And it literally means our hiding place, a place of protection, a place of shelter. And so that's exactly, he who dwells in that secret place of the Most High. 
that we can run to Jesus, that we can come to Him, that we can find uh, that secret place, that hiding place that in the midst of the pressures and burdens and trials and tribulations of life, that we can just come to that place and that hiding place because it's there that we find shelter, refuge. It's there that we find the protection of God's Spirit and God Himself in our lives. You see... Life as a Christian in this world is not easy. It has its challenges. It has its tribulations. It has its trials. It has its tests. It has its hostilities to the Christian. It has its temptations. It has the rejection to, uh, of, of, of the Christians and the sufferings that can be associated with life are real. The Bible even expresses it in these words, we groan within ourselves, that we are groaning because you know why? Because the longer you serve the Lord, the more you just want to get out of this body and be present with the Lord. Really, God, Lord, get me out of here now. <laughs> to die is gain to the Christian. And so if the Lord wills, then we're alive and we've got to serve him and we've got to walk with him and, and we fulfill our, our duties and so forth. But you see, life is that we can hurt. We have, uh, there are sufferings, there are tears that are shed as a result of the experiences. And life can be difficult. Let's be honest, let's be real. And I tell you, in light of all of these things, what we all need is that's the secret place. You have to have a hiding place this morning. It's crucial to your safety spiritually, to your spiritual health, to your well-being. Spiritually speaking, King David himself, in the midst of all of his trials and sufferings, identified and dwelt in that secret place. In Psalm 27, verse 5, he writes, 27, verse 5. Uh, he says, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, of his presence, the hiding place. He shall hide me, listen, he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. Now isn't it interesting because David's identifying the fact that life is on top of him. Life has got him down low. But yet, as he goes to that hiding place, as he goes to that secret place, with that tabernacle, which is the presence of God, he says that, uh, uh, he is, uh, that the Lord lifts him high. And he's, uh, in fact, he, he, the, the exact words, he shall set me high upon a rock. Hallelujah. Because that's where we stand spiritually, church. That's, that's where we stand. So we can be in the depths, physically, outwardly, and even feel like it inwardly, let's be real. Not saying we're not disconnected from the emotions, but nevertheless, we can come to that place in, in his presence and say, it is well with my soul. Where we can uh, say uh, and speak God's promises, God's faithfulness, God's goodness, the character of God, and glorify him in that time. And again, it can only be a reality if we're dwelling in the secret place. Again, in Psalm 31, 
verse 20. Let me read that to you. Psalm 31, verse 20. I usually have these marked, but... Um, verse 20. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. Well, it says in verse 19, how, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the, the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Oh, God. I can tell you now, have you ever needed and seen the need for that secret place? I have now many and many and many a times and it never ceases this morning. Uh, to those who trust in you. You see, again, I think I was thinking about this just and some of the experiences that we see in Scripture and I was thinking about Paul the Apostle and uh, just here, here was his life and everything that entailed it and he was at the, towards the end of his life and he's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and, uh, and he says in verse 16, at my first defense, no one stood with me but all forsook me. Think about that for a moment. Well, I, would, I mean, he found himself in that place. At my first defense, no one stood with me but all forsook me. And he says, may it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And he says, you know, and again, the only reason why he can speak that because Paul had a hiding place. He had a secret place. He knew God. He had a relationship with God. And so, though all forsook him, though no one stood with him, he had it in his heart to, Lord, charge it not against them, but his confidence was the Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me. And that's the power of the secret place this morning. And Paul knew it, and he dwelt in that secret place. That's why he could abide under the shadow of the Almighty in those times. And he could say, like the psalmist says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. And so now that we have considered these words, he who dwells in a secret place, we find now part B of that where it says, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now I want to draw your attention to these words because as I was praying and meditating, this is where I really felt quickened of the Spirit and uh, the Lord just showed me a few things that I'm going to share here because we read that and we talk about the shadow of the Almighty and how wonderful it is and all that it represents. But there's other aspects in Scripture that are associated with this expression, the shadow. And I want to uh, show you it in Scripture so we can identify and again uh, learn and, uh, from these things that we see in God's Word. What's it, what is its significance in Scripture? How has God seen fit to use it? So what comes to mind when you think of a shadow? It's you, you, your first thought would probably be, uh, you know, shade and protection from the beaming heat of the sun. We're talking about shade 
and sh uh, or so we know because uh, you want to dwell in the sh under a shadow or under the shade similar same thing in this instance and uh, and you're really just seeking to take refuge from the the heat of the sun and uh, and and how that can affect you so you can uh, you can re we can relate to that we just had a hot day yesterday if you're out in the open I'm sure you uh, found the sun a bit too much at times and you would have sought for some shade and shadow and so this is how it is in life. And so we all want the safety and protection from the sun in the natural sense. But you see, and find, and find a shadow and shade to dwell in. But see, spiritually speaking this morning, uh, we can see that in the same way as we look at the world around us. And the world is in sin. The world is sick. The world is hostile towards God. It's hostile towards us. There's enmity. It hates God. You can see that. And, and Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. And so there is this hostility that comes from the world. And uh, because if we're going to look for acceptance and things in the world, then we're looking in the wrong places, church. We must find it in the secret place. And so the scripture warns us in uh, not to, uh, it talks, it warns us against the love of the world, doesn't it? It warns against friendship with the world, makes it's just an enmity with God. It speaks about these things, it, uh, it warns us against these things, and there are dangers and, uh, that are, and, and problems that are associated if we get too close to the world to the neglect of the secret place, and that can happen. And so. When we don't abide under the shadow of the Almighty, but seek the shadow or shade that the world can offer, then we're going to run into some problems. Because, you see, we have to... Why go outside the camp and bear the reproach of Christ when one can hide in the shade and shadows of the world? And this is what the Bible is warning us against, to, to find that shadow and, and take refuge under the shadow of the world and and other things and idols and so forth that we can establish in our own lives as Christian. And I, I want to show you this in the scripture because God dresses it. And again, it's to do with Israel. That's why the Bible tells us about Israel. These things are written for our admonition. So when we look at Israel, we always see it has something to speak to us individually and personally. And my first uh, my, uh, point that I want to make here is that it relates to the prophet Hosea. And so if you understand the prophet there and just some of the, the issues that uh, he's addressing in relation to the, uh, to the nation of Israel, the northern tribes. And so it's interesting because when God called Hosea, he got him to marry a prostitute, didn't he? Which was, you know, again, but this, the reason why God got him to do this in the natural was to illustrate a spiritual reality that God wanted to show the people the condition of their hearts before him. And what's also interesting, at that moment in time, Israel was in a time outwardly of prosperity. Everything seemed to be great. Business was booming, you know, and so there was no real, you know, they had their religious aspects on the side, but you see, they weren't in that hiding place. They weren't dwelling in the presence of God. They weren't obeying God. They weren't abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. In fact, we'll see what they were actually doing. And so Hosea... Uh, uh, is obviously instructed by God to address them. 
And so isn't it interesting that we see that the nation has forsaken the secret place. They're not abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And here's what God says to them in Hosea chapter 4, verse 11. Let me turn there. Hosea 4, verse 11. Scripture says, Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. My people ask counsel from their wooden idols, and their staff informs them, in meaning that they're seeking direction in other, and, and, uh, and, and uh, idolatry of life. For the, now listen, for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray, and they have played the harlot against their God. They offer sacrifices on the mountaintops and burn incense on the hills under oaks, poplars, and terebinths. This is asterisk as well. This is, there's deeper aspects to this that relate to idolatry. Be- and why? Because their shade is good. Why are they doing this? God says, because the shadow, that word shade is shadow, because the shadow is good. In other words, they are taking refuge in their idolatry, in their disobedience to God, in the things of this world, and because, you know what, they just love the shadow that it provides for them. But it's a false sense of security. It's deception. And this is what God is trying to demonstrate to the children of Israel in this instance. So they love the shadow. The shadow is good. But you see, that's the wrong shadow that they're abiding under. It's the idolatry of life. You see, if we're looking to the world to meet our needs spiritually, physically, and emotionally, and all of those things, then we're looking in the wrong places. And this is what Israel was doing, and they had forsaken God. They were committed to a spiritual harlotry. And isn't it interesting that Isaiah addresses this as well in his time as he speaks to Israel, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 1. Listen to what God says. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord. Now he's calling them rebels here. Who take counsel, but not of me. And who devised plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame, and trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. They're heavy words. Think of it now in the context of abiding under the shadow of the Almighty because that's where we should be, dwelling in that secret place. But here's Israel. They have forsaken God and, they, and they've gone down to Egypt because, you know, the shadow is good. God says you're taking refuge. You're strengthening yourselves in the strength of Pharaoh. In other words, you're not being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. God's not your fortress. God's not your source of strength. But the world is because you have neglected the secret place. You have forsaken the secret place. You are rebellious, He says to them. And you are now putting your trust in, in the strength of Pharaoh or in the world. And you're abiding under the shadow of Egypt. And He says the shadow of Egypt is going to be your humiliation. 
What you sow is what we reap. That's the, we never win, church. When we disobey God, we never win. God has these ways of, uh, uh, we can't escape. God is not mocked. He sows to the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. He sows to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And so, let us be mindful of this because we don't want to find ourselves in that place spiritually. And it's a, it's a challenge for all of us, especially as we live in Australia and the way it is, because, you know, life is demanding. You know, not only now, you know, do men have to work, women have to do something to try and contribute. There's just the demands of life and the pressures are going to get worse. The pressures, are, they're predicting. So, and they're speaking about it, what lies ahead for. So we, are we, are we going to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty or are we going to be looking for the world to meet our needs? Because I tell you, if so, we'll be humiliated one day because we haven't trusted the Lord. You own a house, you own things, praise God, God bless you. But you know what, one day we could have nothing. And we'll be happy because we're in the secret place. <laughs> yeah, you know what I meant by that, right? <laughs> ah, praise God. Uh, here, okay. so, and yeah, they were devising their own plans. They didn't seek God's advice. And this is what can happen. That's what they were doing in James. They said, hey, let's go to such and such a city and we'll dwell in the shadow there and then uh, we'll go over here and do this. And he says, you're just walking after the flesh. You're not seeking God. You're not seeking my will. You're not bringing these things for, before me. If the Lord wills, we shall do this. And we've got to be careful of this, church, because we and can, and I'm sure at one point in our lives we all have been guilty of this. And so, are we seeking protection and safety from God or the world this morning? Who are we trusting in? You know, Jesus came to the nation of Israel and God longed for them to dwell under the shadow of his wings. You know, Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've wanted to gather you together like a hen gathers its, mother, its chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Not willing. See, that's the problem. We're not willing. You say, I don't have the time. No, you're not willing. That's a heavy word sometimes to have to bear. Because we know how busy life can be. And if we don't prioritise, if we don't make the time, then the time doesn't just come for us, does it? Because we're always going to and fro. I'm sure you're identifying with me this morning what I'm saying. So let's go to Hosea again because God speaks in chapter 11 and in verse 7. And he says, as he speaks about their condition, he says, My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. And that's not a condition that we want to find ourselves in this morning. But even so, if it were so, listen to God's response to this in verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Admar and how can I set you like Zebulon? He says, listen, my heart churns within me. You know, this, this, I read a book once many years ago. It's called The Sufferings of God. You know, God saw the wickedness of men and he was felt so, sorry that he, he was grieved in his heart. 
the sufferings of God are far greater than any sufferings that we would endure or identify with. And he says about Israel in their state that they, you know, they're not dwelling in the secret place. They're not under the shadow of God. And it says, and he's, you know, they're bent on backsliding, but he says, my heart is for you. My heart churns within me and, and stirs up a sympathy because of his love for us. Because God wants to gather us together. That's why Jesus wept and churned over Israel. Because they wanted to gather them under his wings. This is the heart of God this morning. And yet we can be so foolish to neglect this precious privilege that we have as Christians. To commune with God. And so the scripture tells us I think it's Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And that's what we have to do. Just stop, go to the secret place. So that's enough. Oh, I've got to make a phone call. Forget it. I've got to do this. Nah, forget it. Nah, this is, now's the time. This next half hour, this next hour, or whatever it is, I'm going to dwell in that secret place because I need to be there. And I tell you, it is so special, church. Come back under the shadow of his wings. Look at Isaiah 14, verse 1. It says, O Israel, God is pleading, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. And then he says, look down at verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like one of an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. This has to do with Israel's restoration and so forth. But spiritually speaking, it speaks to us as a reality now. Look at verse 7. Those who dwell under the shadow, uh, sorry, those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank God. God is saying, you know what? You can... You can be healed of your backsliding if you return. That's what verse 1 is, return to the Lord. That's repent. Repent and turn back to God. And in doing so, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19, but here, return to the shadow of the Almighty and there you will be revived. Hallelujah. And this is personal revival. This is personal renewal. This is personally, thank God that we can come to that place because without this, we would have no hope, church. Because sometimes we fail God. We've turned our back on God. We've backslidden in heart. And we might be going through the outward motions, but what about the secret place this morning? What about our own relationship to God? We have to examine ourselves in these things and we can come back and God says, you know what? I will revive you like grain and you will grow like a vine. Fruitfulness. 
and the scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Your countenance will be changed, and the joy of the Lord will fill your heart, and that we shall be blessed. Hallelujah. What a glorious truth this is this morning. And I pray that we would see and examine ourselves in this, in this reality. Because, you know, after 30 years as a Christian, myself, and having to endure what I have up until this point, I can tell you, if I didn't have a secret place, I wouldn't survive. If I couldn't go to God in this, in this manner and, and, and dwell in that place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, then uh, I, I would be overcome by the, uh, the uh, experiences of life. And so, let us consider these things this morning. We, we must be like the psalmist in our text who said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, and my God in Him will I trust. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word, God, that uh, brings us, Lord, so much instruction. So much revelation, Lord, that we would have an ear to hear and hear what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Speak, God, to individuals that are present, Lord. And God, if there's a need to return, if there's a need for repentance, God, I pray, God, that we would be those, Lord, uh, to repent. Because, God, we don't want to dwell under the shadow of the world, under the shadow of, uh, of uh, and the strength of this world, the strength of Pharaoh. We don't want none of that, God. We want it to be uh, right with you in dwelling in the, in the secret place and under the shadow of the Almighty. God bless your people this morning, I pray, as you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be blessed and uh, have a time of fellowship.